Lord, I came up by myself today. <laughs> no more. Praise the Lord. Isn't that great? I came and practiced a couple days just going up and down the steps real fast. But I'll never run like uh, some of those guys do and come up. But it's so good to be here today. We had the most wonderful Sunday school class. And God was with us. You know, early service sounds so good when if you get a chance to come in at 8.30 when they're having the work the early service. It sounds so precious to be out in the halls or somewhere and hear the singing and the preaching. And we were going to Sunday school class and then we got in the class and studied the Word of God. You know, there is such a good meal, a wholesome meal here at this church when you come. You get fed. Your spirit man gets fed. That's what you need is the fellowship and the Word of God and the moving of the Holy Ghost and prayers answered. So that's what we do here at Stratford Heights. Our name is known all over this area for people that pray. And they think we have the praying as pastor. We do. We have the praying as pastor. We studied about that today. How important it is for the leaders to pray. And our leader prays. He sets a good example for us. You may be seated for just a moment. I have two or three announcements I need to make. You know, uh, spring is going to be here Friday, and we're getting ready for the Easter program. Please avail yourself of this nice little card to take out, and on the back it has the times and the directions to get to the church. Take these and hand them out to people that maybe you want to invite to your church or somebody that doesn't have a home church. Take that and be a missionary and be a minister with this little card and pray over. Just get you a handful and pray, Lord, you guide and direct me to people that need you. And let me give this card out to someone because they put a lot of work and effort to get ready and pray and fast and seek the Lord to be able to present this Easter message so that people's hearts will be touched. And uh, so please remember that. And I want to help Missy out today. You have a beautiful flyer in your bulletin. You all see it if you got the bulletin. And we're doing an outreach for the community. And uh, twice a year we do that. Uh, the Easter egg hunt is one of them. There are just hundreds and hundreds of people that come and bring their children to our egg hunt. And we need 30,000 pieces of candy to put in these shells that we have. We have the, already have the plastic shells. And you can do that by just going to some of the stores where they have the candy on sale and uh, ask the Lord to make you a blessing. How many of you want to be a blessing? Let me see your hand. Then buy a bag of candy and bring to Missy. She just sweats bullets almost. No, that's exaggeration. I shouldn't say that. But she sweats a lot because she's worried that she won't have enough candy. But she prays about it. And I know her faith will always reward her. So you plan and bring candy, get it and bring it to the foyer. And the ushers, they'll help you get it to the right place. And you want to be a blessing, don't you? I see that on your faces and the expression in your eyes. You want to be a blessing. So you're in the right church today to be a blessing. All right? You want to do that? Yeah, I want you to. And please remember, if you're new and visiting with us today, uh, we have a meet and greet following our morning service right over to your left and my right, out that door to the choir room. We have some refreshments, and we would like for you to come by. We'd like to meet you, shake your hand, and look you in the face and greet you, because you're coming here, and we don't know you, and we want to get acquainted. So you help us do that, will you? Now we want to let all of our members and regular attenders stand at this time, leaving our guests seated. Would you just stay seated if you're new? And we want to... <laughs> 
just <laughs> we're going to uh, we want to greet all of you and if you're here and you're new we want to shake hands with you so look around find the people they're still seated and now you can get up and we'll greet you and give everybody a warm welcome today will you do that god bless you thank you
glory. Hallelujah. How many of you are free this morning? If you're free, I want to hear you. Are you free? If you're not, you're getting ready to get free. <laughs> this morning, the Lord spoke and said, in this service, we're going to sing to addictions. There are some of you here this morning and you're just bound up. God has set you free. All you have to do is accept that. <laughs> I love you, Lord. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make you, what can make you whole again? Nothing but the blood of oh, Jesus. I want to sing that again, yeah. What can wash away?
Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. His blood was shed for us that we might be saved. His body was broken that we might be healed and delivered and set free. Many, many times people are healed when they partake of the communion. Not only has their soul been saved and healed, but their body gets healed. So you should, if you have a special need physically, you should experience. Let your faith build today to know that God sees and is aware of our taking of this communion to remember Him and to honor Him for what He has done for us. In 1 Corinthians, in the New Living Bible says, For I want to pass on to you, this is what Paul said, I want to pass on to you what I received from the Lord Himself. On the night when He was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. We're going to pray over these elements and ask God to touch them as we partake of them and receive what He wants us to receive today. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And we do this today to remember how His body was broken, how He suffered without the gate, and how His body was pierced and by His stripes, his, Your Word tells us that we are healed. And we receive of You today, Lord Jesus, being obedient to Your command as we partake of this, that You be glorified and that the needs of Your people will be met. Thank You for these elements today, Lord Jesus, and what they represent, Your blood that's represented by this fruit of the vine today that we partake of. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. So when he had given thanks, he took the bread and he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Take the bread and eat and remember him. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as oft as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Take the cup and let's drink of the blood. Jesus, praise the name of Jesus. Remain standing and continue to worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing but the blood. Just take a moment and worship. Praise you, Lord. 
sing that one more time. Now my debt. Now my debt is paid. It is paid in full by the price. This is the chair right here. Jesus now the curse of sin has no hold on me. Through the sunset, he is free. He is free.
we praise you, Lord. Woo! Glory to
many of you believe there is power in the name of Jesus? You know, we ought not be surprised when the Lord begins to move in a service like He's doing now. All throughout the Scripture, we're given one instance, one illustration after another where Jesus has intervened in a miraculous way. Well, I believe there's people in here today that can be healed of any disease. I believe that people in here can be delivered as we've been praying and trusting God. I believe that the Lord can meet you right where you are. I want you, if you will, to put your hand on your own heart this morning. I'm believing God to touch you right where you stand. Would you do that? Would you pray for yourself? I believe the Holy Spirit's here to strengthen, to heal, to deliver, and to give you the very, very favor of God that you desire. I believe in the name of Jesus. Let's pray right now. Father, as we come before you, we thank you that we can bring every care. You said cast all of our care on you. We believe this morning. We thank you, Father, that your work will be done and accomplished in our lives. Touch our families. Touch and minister, God, ordering our steps that your work will be done. We believe you today for healing. We believe you today for provision. We believe you for blessing, for your reconciliation at work in marriages and in families and in lives. We give you the honor, we give you the praise, for it's not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord that we pray all of these things, all power, in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone together said amen, and amen, amen. and amen. Give the Lord great praise. Come on, let's ring the house with praise to the Lord. Amen. Somebody says, what in the world were some of those people praying about down there? Well, some were praying over cancer. Maybe that hadn't come to your house yet. Some were praying over very serious situations, over families and divorces and reconciliation that's needed. You don't always know what your brother or your sister's going through, amen? But we know that he said to bring it all, not just some, but all of it to him and in the Old Testament we're, we're reminded the question is is there anything too hard for God nothing say that with me nothing say it again nothing is impossible with God one more time give the Lord great praise in the house amen before you're before you're seated this morning before you're seated this morning, we want to go to prayer as a, as a congregation. The Bible says that we seek the good of Israel. How many of you know that all throughout the news right now, it just seems like every time we turn it on, there's something new, something happening. It is the church's responsibility. I don't want to act like a politician right now. I'm not seeking your vote. But it is the church's responsibility to uphold the arms of Israel. If you agree with me, say amen. amen. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, 
lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. But peace shall be upon Israel. I like that part in first, that first verse in Psalm 125 when it says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. Enemies may be all around her, and they may all be all around you. But you belong to an almighty, powerful God. You belong to a God who is able to do anything. And as we trust in Him today, as I said, it is our responsibility. It's our responsibility to pray for families who live in fear. You don't know what that's like. You're blessed. Thank you. You're blessed. You have no idea what it's like to worry about your children, whether they'll be in their beds when you wake up in the morning, although we have some of those issues in our country. But to live in a place where it is under constant attack and threat, not because you have a lot of money, not because you're affluent and have a big position, but simply because you name the name of Christ. It's right for us to pray. It's our responsibility. So would you help me now as we pray? I want to pray for Israel. But in that prayer, I also want to pray for the United States. I want to pray that we will not detour. I have been so proud of who we have been through generations as America has stood with Israel. I have been so proud. I pray today for our leaders. I pray that they will have the mind of the people. I still believe in God bless America. And I still believe that the people of America love and support the state of Israel. There's a few voices trying to speak for all of us, but I want you right now to help me by, by letting your voice be known as we pray for Israel and our country and our leaders. Would you do that with me right now? Father, as we come before you, we ask you to touch the state of Israel. We ask you, Father, to protect her borders, protect her sons and daughters in uniform, in military. God, protect moms and dads who lay awake at night worrying and stressful over all of their children. I pray, Father, for Christians who live in Iran, in Iraq. I pray, God, all throughout the Mideast, Syria, all the different countries where they're being attacked and kidnapped today. Lord, we see these things, and we know it's a sign of the end times as never before. We pray and believe right now our responsibility is to plead the blood of Christ over every Christian who names the name of Christ. Lord, we pray your protection, a hedge of protection. We rebuke the enemy. We plead the very blood of Jesus Christ over them and pray, God, your protection, your power, your deliverance, your favor. And we pray that you order their steps. For we know, though the enemies are round about them, more before them than who are against them. Because we know in our God, you are the mighty and great powerful deliverer. We also pray for America. We pray for our leaders. Lord, they may think they're making their own decisions, but I pray that you will lead them. I pray that you will guide them, direct our people and our, our government nationality uh, offices, those folks in charge. Lord, let your work and your mind and your heart be in their lives and in their decisions. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, realizing, Lord, that all must bow to submission to your will. 
And that, Lord, we seek only your plan, your design for the end time. And we know that, God, you are in control. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray it. And everyone agreed and said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. How many of you believe with me that it is a, it is a time now where we need to be, as they said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Lord. We need to be alert. Three people agreed. We need to be alert. The Bible says sober. That means not distracted. Not just by alcohol, but by all of the distractions of this world. We need to not be distracted. The church needs to be aware of our responsibilities. You've heard that now five times I've said that word this morning. We need to be alert, aware, for our enemy is in his last hours. He's pulling every evil scheme and device he can out of his bags. He is going to attack your family. Hello. He is going to attack your work and your ministry. He is going to attack your sons and your daughters. He's going to attack. He's going to attack the church. He's going to attack the preachers, the ministries. He's going to make every effort to shut up and to close down the prayers that go before God. But I want us to be more determined than ever before that though they may take away our positions, they may take away our prayer in school, they may take away all of our rights, but we will stand and we will stay, we will say, though they all turn against us, though they take it all away from us, the one thing they can't do is take my mind and my heart. I will pray until he comes. And I will always, always stand with Israel. Don't forget this. This is a strategic time in the ministry. And it's a strategic time in the church. This is not business as usual. But we are in very, very evil days. Can you say amen? But with that comes, he said, where sin doth abound, grace does much more abound. I'm telling you, we have got the favor and the blessing and the healing. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. My sons and my daughters, they shall prophesy. They shall all be used in the kingdom. Old men and young men. Visions, dreams. Just because the enemy is on his last rampage doesn't mean God still isn't in control. Amen. We want to pray. If you've seen this big empty hole over here, we have over 100 people gone to Winterfest this weekend. And I want to tell you, they, I, if I got one text, I got 25. I got pictures. I got all kinds of stuff. Last night, they said the Holy Spirit fell in that, that Thompson Bowling Arena down in Knoxville. 22,000 kids and said the power of God fell on all of those kids. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they were all many of them were saved and touched and God is blessing them they said even some of our hard-nosed kids uh uh-huh you know who they are no they said and I'm just playing they're all precious but even the ones that you don't ever really see any kind of desire any kind of real hunger said all of them all of them were laid out just crying and praising God with their hands up in the air said the powerful words the planet shakers were there last night they are phenomenal I, I encourage you if you like 
real good anointed praise and worship music that makes you want to jump and dance, listen to Planet Shakers. They shake the planet. Okay, moving on. But I'm so proud of them. Let's continue to pray for them as they come home this afternoon. They'll be getting in late this evening, and we want to keep them in our prayers. So proud of Cameron. So proud of he and Whitney and the work they're doing with our kids. And, uh, oh, we just got a whole pile of them down there. So we're real proud of them, and uh, we want to keep them in our prayers. Also, I want to take the time just for a moment to, to look at my friend, Coach Brian Bales, and say congratulations, sir. <laughs> Unbelievable. Brian, would you and Jamie and Tinsley please stand up? I want the church to know who we're talking about. Come on, Jamie. She hates this. All right. We are so proud of you. District champs, Franklin High School basketball. Brian's the athletic director at Franklin High School. And uh, he and Josh Long. Where's Josh? Josh is here. Josh is the band director. Stand up, Josh. We got Franklin covered today. We'll, we'll, we'll pick on Franklin. This is, a, this is a subtle takeover of the entire school, you see. That's what our plan is. But we're just so proud of them. I, over 100 people from Stratford Heights were there at the game Friday night. You know, it's not just business as usual. This guy with this team is literally taking the world by storm. They've entered this, with a, is it called the Sweet 16 now? Do you know what, where you rank in high school basketball in the country? 23, number 23 in the country. Do you know how many thousands of uh, other high school basketball teams there are? We're just so proud of them. If I were to list all of the awards, all of the certificates, all of the mentions on ESPN, and I'm telling you, they, the world knows. I'm listening to the radio the other night, just the radio, and the two broadcasters are on there fussing back and forth about Luke Kennard and how he is going to win Friday night for Franklin. And I'll tell you, what I've noticed about that team is that it's not just one player, as good as he is. And he is an upstanding, wonderful young man who I know personally. And he is just a tremendous Christian young man. But I want to tell you what, it's a team. Evan Crow is part of that team from our church. They're not here today, are they? But well, we honor him anyway. Let him know we did. Evan's on that team, and we're so proud of them and all that they're doing. And we just, we just love it. We can't wait to say... Well, Brian, now you've won state. We can't wait for that to happen. So we'll be, we'll be acknowledging that again. This morning, as our ushers are coming to prepare you, I would want to make mention that in a couple of weeks, as Liz mentioned, we've got an egg hunt, an Easter egg hunt. Now, in our morning offerings, normally the loose offering always goes to world missions around the world, different places. Today, I want us to receive the offering for... Middletown, for our own community. How many thinks it's all right that we're a part of the world too? So all the loose offering today is going to go to help us as we get ready with those 30,000 pieces of candy that we need and the many different other ministry items that they'll need for the, one of the biggest Easter egg hunts in the city that will happen, happens right here. If you come out on that day, you'll see, I don't know, they said almost 2,000. They're expecting 3,000 this year. That'll be just for the Easter egg hunt. I never really liked eggs that much, but you know, if they're that good, I might need to come try them. But we're, we're excited because so many kids and so many families come on our property, come on our campus. And you know what it says? It sends a message to our community and it tells them, number one, that we care about them, we love them, 
that we invite them to our campus and that we want to give to them something. You know, that's the very things we want them to feel from us because we also want them to know that we love them in the Lord, that we have something we want to give to them. And that is the message of Jesus Christ as their Lord. He died on the cross for them. So we want to send those positive, wonderful messages to our community. And this is our opportunity, one of our other opportunities to do that. We try very hard throughout the year to do several events like this, but this is one that's coming up. So I want you to give today. I'm reading a book by Mark Batterson. I, I recommend it highly if you've not read it. It's called All In. One of the best books I've read, read in a long time. And I want, I want that to be the story of my life. All In. God, I don't want to do anything with half of a heart. I don't want to do anything just to do it, just to go through the motions. I am, I am one of these people that I'm impassioned. I, I feel things. You know, when I'm at the game the other night, the, the people sitting with me were absolutely embarrassed. I mean, I, I'm, I, don't make no, I don't apologize for it. I jump up. I scream. I holler. My hands are up in the air. I go nuts. My heart rate, I thankfully have a Fitbit now, and my heart rate went up to 123 while I was there at the game. And I was just excited, and I love it. I'm all in. That's the way you win games. That's the way you win in life. That's the way you win when you're serving the Lord. Because people look at us, and when they see us, they're looking not for people who name the name of Christ. They're looking for people who really believe it. Who really believe it. And they live it out. You know, anyone who knows me knows this. You know, someone asked me, well, what does it take to be used at Stratford Heights? I said, be real. Be real and be faithful. If you're not faithful, I don't use you. I mean, people have come to me before and they said, well, I do everything just perfect. I said, but you're never here. Faithful is number one on my list. Besides being real, that's number one. Faithful number two. Being all in. Being all in. A missionary was flying to a jungle and he was going to minister in a little community of headhunters. This is a true story. It's not a made-up story. He literally had heard the message was that every missionary before him had been, had been killed, heads cut off. And he felt a direct call of God to go to this little village in Africa. So he said, I'm going to go. And so when he prayed about it, the Lord directed him that he needed to pack up all of his belongings in a coffin. And he shipped all of his belongings over in a coffin. And when he got there, he got into the village. They dropped that coffin right in the middle of the village. And he looked at the people and he said, I'm here. And the only way I'm going out is in this box. All my worldly possessions are in this box. And don't you know that man, he shocked them. Apparently God used that. They'd never heard him. He stayed there 40-some years. And when he died on the epitaph of his tombstone, they wrote this at the bottom. They said, when he came, there was no light. And when he left, there was no darkness. Wow. And you know how he left? He left in that coffin. That's all in. That's all in. That's what I want. That's what you need. If you're wondering, how do we touch God? How do we get God involved in our situation? All in. 
all in. That's how you know. That's how you see. That's how you experience. If you are half a foot in, half a foot out, I can tell you right now, your experience is going to be hardly nothing. They that sow will reap. And the measure wherewith you sow, so shall you also reap. So I'm asking you today to give, but this is much more, as you see, it's a message. It's much more than just in giving. If you're in financial troubles today, I'd be finding a way to pay my tithe. If you're having difficulties at home, do the thing. Find a way to be all in on the very thing that you need God to do. There's a big message in there. I'm going to save it for another day. Father, as we come before you, we thank you for the privilege, the opportunity that we have. I always see it as an honor to be able to give in your house. And Lord, to be able to give today, especially to the mission of Middletown, to our egg hunt. I pray that you will minister, Lord, to the leaders and those involved who will be in charge. And God, that you make it one of the biggest events and greatest events, showing love, passion, showing servanthood, and showing Christ to the Middletown community. Use us, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for those who are faithful in this church to pay their tithe. They've chosen here. You've called them here. However, their life has brought them to this church. They're here and they're all in. I thank you for them. They're the ones who will help us as we continue to carve out a place in the history of this community for the Stratford Heights Church of God, dating clear back to 1915. Thank you for those people who are called to be here. We give you honor and praise for every need being met, not only in their lives, but in ours as a ministry and as a church. We pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen.
but when I hear you whisper, child, lift up your head. I remember, oh God, I'm not done with me yet. Oh, I am redeemed. You said. Shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain, cause I'm not who I used to be. Because I don't have to be the old man inside of me, his days are long dead and gone. Because I've got a new name, a new life, I've got the same and a hope. So I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain, cause I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. You said be free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain, cause I'm not who I used to be. Oh God, I'm not who I used to be. Jesus, I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. I praise you, Lord. I am. like that part where it says, I am not the man I used to be. How many of you have been transformed by your relationship with Jesus Christ? Amen. This thing is real. It changes your life. It turns you upside down. You're not the person that you once were. Would you stand with me? If you have your Bibles with, me, with you today, go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. I'm going to read from the New Testament, Paul's writing. If this thing wasn't, if it, if it didn't change you, if it wasn't real, if God didn't really transform and change us, you know, we'd all be scrounging around here, doubting and running around. But man, we've got, we've got a testimony. How many got a testimony this morning? Got a testimony. God turned it around for you. That's amazing. That's awesome. This morning, I want to answer the question, of course, as we're getting ready for Easter, it's important that at this time of the year, I, I always turn my attention and my focus to a subject that I believe is one of the most important that a church will ever preach about, and that's the cross. If I just got up here every week and you did your job and you brought people to the house of God that needed Jesus, I could just get up here every week and preach nothing but the gospel message of the cross. And that this church would grow, would leave some bounds. As it is, I try to disciple and grow you and, and make sure that I cover the gospel in every message. This morning, I get the privilege of talking about the crossroads of grace and wrath. 
the crossroads now of grace and wrath. I guarantee you this is a subject that won't be preached in too many churches this morning. People today do not want a preacher. A lot of congregations don't want a preacher who will talk about the wrath of God. They don't want to talk about hell anymore. They don't want to talk about, you know, sin. They want us to stay away from the, they don't want a bloody Calvary, a bloody cross. They want us to put some cute little thing up that makes everybody feel warm and fuzzy. Accepting, welcome. And while all of those things are important, as Liz pointed out earlier, what are we without the cross, without the blood of Jesus Christ? We're lost. Today I want to talk about the crossroads of grace and wrath. And I hopefully answer one question that I think is detrimental to understanding the Christian faith. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. I've got very little time to do this. For those of you who ever get upset that I preach after 12, I want you to see that it is 11 minutes till 12. They ain't a preacher in this city that would do that in 12 minutes. <laughs> Bud is saying something to me. Romans chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Can you say praise God? Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely. That's important. Say that with me. Justified freely. By his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation. Big word. English lesson, say it with me. Propitiation. Some of you never said that word before. It's coming off your lips, strange. strange. Propitiation, say it. Very good class. All right, yeah. Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith. To demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. This is some rich, rich theological teaching right here. I hope I can do it in nine minutes. Father, we ask your blessings on your word. Challenge us today by your Holy Spirit and may everyone, God, not be conscious of the clock for a few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's see if that prayer gets answered. God bless you. Here's the question question I want to answer today. Why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? Why was it necessary? Why did it have to happen? 
Why did Jesus have to die? This is probably the single most important question facing the earth. Now, I know we do a lot of searching for other answers. We all want to know the answers to the universe. Where does the cosmos begin? Where does it end? How many galaxies are out there? Are there other planets? Is there life out there? I mean, we spend billions and billions of dollars a year trying to find these answers over decades of years. We try to find answers to disease. We're looking for the cures to cancer. We're looking for other diseases. We want to find the cures. We're, we're seeking the answers to these type of things. We, we're looking desperately through our research and through hospitals and through uh, centers like in Atlanta, the disease center there, looking for answers to these questions. And then world crisis, we're constantly looking for people to help us to understand how we can have world peace and how we can all get along and stop killing each other and how can one country get along with another country and nobody seems to have the answers. We're in technology that is unbelievable. We're in a time when you can do just about anything with technology. Our knowledge has increased manifold 100 of hundreds of times. It's unbelievable where we are as a society and as an intellectual community. But yet at the same time, we cannot yet figure out how to answer the problems of getting along. It's unbelievable. But as important as all of those questions are, none of them share are as important as the question I started off with today. Why did Jesus have to die? Now, notice I didn't say, did Jesus die? That's another whole argument, another whole question. I believe Jesus died. He was, he came, he was a teacher, he was a man, even basic knowledge, even the History Channel will tell you that Jesus lived. Did Jesus die? Yes, that's not the question. Why did Jesus die? That's a good question. But that's not the question I'm asking. He died. Why did he die? He died because sinful humanity needed a savior and a deliverer. We understand that's why he died. He died because he loved us and he wanted to rescue his people. But that's still not the answer to the question. Why did Jesus have to die? That's a harder question. That's a deeper insight into theology. In Scripture, we know what they say. I mean, some of them would testify, the people that lived back in that day, they would come and they would say, well, we know why he had to die. He was a troublemaker. He had a devil. He was bad news. The Sanhedrin was all upset. The Pharisee, everybody. The church was a mess because of this guy. Everywhere he went, he wreaked havoc. He caused trouble. So they would stand up and say he was a troublemaker. His own wayward ways, his rebel attitude, that's what got him in trouble and it put him in, in criminal court and cost him his life. And no doubt, Jesus was a troublemaker. I kind of like that about him. He loves stirring up a mess. He wanted something from people that I want in my heart as I try very hard to be as close to him as I can possibly be sometimes seems escapable. I can't get near it. He wanted people to be real. He wanted them to genuinely know his father and himself. But even that 
doesn't answer the question. Why did Jesus have to die? Why was he the only one that could have done this? He had to. What was the divine purpose? What was the divine design? What were they thinking? Until we truly understand that, the answer to this question right here, we don't really understand Christianity. And we cannot possibly genuinely understand the cross, what it really means. We sing about it, and we get excited about it. And I, I love that. I love the fact that we're a worshipful church. I love the idea that we genuinely just allow the Spirit of God to touch our hearts and we want to express that and we want God to move in our hearts and we see miracles take place. But we will never understand, we cannot truly understand the cross unless we truly understand the heart behind it and what it really meant. The cross is the heart of God. And it's the crossroads. The cross is the crossroad of grace and wrath. It's justice meets love. That is intense. It will solve all the issues that people have when they question whether or not God is a God of love. Whether or not, why does a God of love send people to hell? Why does a God of love allow this or allow that? Or we see so much trouble in the world centered around this idea that they don't know the answer to the question. Obviously, they don't understand the cross. Obviously, they have no concept of Calvary, what it all really genuinely meant. But you do, and you will have a little better insight, I pray, by the time we leave here today, is perhaps you've even asked those same questions. I had a relative ask not very long ago, how can a God of love send people to hell? Why don't he just forgive people like he expects us to? Why don't he just let us be sorry and just say, okay, you're forgiven? He said, that's love. I said, really? I say to you this morning, that may be your idea of love, but that's not God. He can't be God. He can't be God and not be just. It's impossible. So when God, from his perspective, is looking at the cross, he's seeing his justice and his love. He's seeing his mercy and his grace. And the reason that the cross is our symbol is because that's where the two met and were satisfied. Oh, that's deep stuff. That's deep stuff. That's where they meet and they're satisfied. I used the word propitiation earlier. I'd never really heard that word anywhere but church. I mean, you don't go to school, and when you're walking down the hallway, they say, oh, man, second period, I got a propitiation. 
See, the word simply means substitute. <laughs> Never really heard that word. It's a super theological word. Some of you don't even really know exactly what it means, but propitiation is a Greek word that means it's hilosmos, and it means, when I read it from the, the, the Greek word, it simply means atonement, and atonement is best described as substitute or gift, gift. So if we go back and look at what I read to you just a little bit earlier, in verse 25, it says God presented him. I'm reading here in the NIV version. It says God presented him, Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement. Instead of propitiation, it uses the word atonement. Through faith in his blood. So what we're really getting at is the word means sacrifice, substitute, atonement. But if I were to just put it in plain words, what it means is to turn away wrath by offering a gift. That's what propitiation means. Atonement means. It means turning away, turning aside wrath by offering a gift. What better gift would there be in this context than to know that the very wrath of God was satisfied by himself through his son, Jesus Christ, the ultimate gift to the whole world. I mean, I, I, I see, I go nuts. I'm like writing this stuff down. I'm like, oh, that's good. That's great. I'm going to write a book on that. That's amazing stuff. God, God appeased his own wrath. That's love. He made a way. He sought away. He loved us so much that he appeased his justice, his godness, because he could not step away from being a holy, immeasurable, boundless, infinite God. He had to be holy. How could he be holy and then not allow the penalty for sin for the wages of sin is death? A holy God, a just God must demand penalty. An example would follow. Look at a, a judge. Let's say we had a Butler County judge who's there and, 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 and some guy has committed a murder. He killed parents in front of their children and the children watched and this horrible situation I just made up. But we've got this situation and he comes before a judge and all the television is following the story and everybody's involved and we're all watching and the judge looks at the situation and, and the guy says with tears, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I don't know what was wrong with me. I was having a terrible day. And the judge says, I believe you. You're free to go. Come on, judge. Are you serious? Or someone embezzles $50,000 from their company and they're really sorry. And the judge says, well, how sorry are you? I'm just so sorry. I, I, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean it. Gosh, okay, you're free to go. You're free to go. Yet I had someone not very long ago who said, a God of love would just forgive without making us give our life or 
without there being a sacrifice, without Jesus having to die. He would just love us so much that he would just forgive us. That's the God I want to serve. The only problem is, in my opinion, that's not a God. That's not a God. Many churches today are doing this. And you've got to be careful. I don't preach that to try to hurt anyone or tear anyone else down. But in the last days, the Bible says they'll be watering it down. People have itching ears running to places where they make you feel good, make you feel all warm and fuzzy and comfortable, and make it all so easy. You can just get in on nothing. You can just get in. You know, just come, be a part. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And I love to preach about God's love. I know how much he loves us. He loved us enough to send his son to die, to pay for the price of the penalty of sin and rebel. Excuse me, rebellion and falling short of God's glory. He, pay, he, he loved us enough to make a way in the desert, to make a way through the waters, to do whatever he could to reconcile us. God looked down on broken humanity. He looked down on the garden, and he looked at the failures of Adam and Eve, the very first, and he looked down through generations to you and to me, and we know we needed a Savior. You know you needed him when he found you, and we look at our lives, and we look at the debauchery out there, and the evil out there, and the wickedness wickedness out there and how horrible it is and we we say oh the world needs hope it needs an answer and God looked down on his broken humanity and he said I must remain God I must stay just I must be a God of righteousness or they'll never believe me when I bring them power and I bring them deliverance and I bring them a heaven if I don't I must remain God I must be all-powerful. You see, the world, the churches even today, they want a God they can manage. They want a God they can pull down out of the heavens and set him up like a magician on a stage or a genie with a bottle. And they just want to get all their wishes taken care of. All they want in the world is a God they can control. They want a God who will literally follow their own desires. And Well, God, if you want me to sign on the dotted line, you're going to have to do this. Here's my negotiation. God looks down and he says, no, I'll be God. You'll be broken humanity. You'll be creation. I'll be God. My job description is not open for a replacement. And whatever he says, you know, I've often said this. I said, God, People want to argue about whether or not they believe in you, whether or not they want to serve you. God, you created the world. You're in control. If you want me to stand on my head half the day, I'll do it. I don't understand the mentality that looks into the face of the creator of the universe and just says, here's my terms. But God had a problem. God did have a problem. He looked at his broken humanity. He knew that his problem was that he's just, he's holy, he's righteous. And yet he loves. He loves. 
And so he looked at his, his love and his holiness. And he said, they're broke. They have no way to get to me. There is no way to satisfy. I could love them and I could forgive them, but holiness must then be compromised. If there isn't a penalty, we break laws in the United States, we pay the penalty. If that same judge we're talking about had let people go free, if everybody gets to go free and nobody has to pay the price, and nobody, then law becomes chaos. And we become a country much like we see around the world right now that is not very stable. The reason our country has stayed stable is, stable is because we have laws. We have people who we may not like them. I don't like the seatbelt seat law. I don't like it. But I'm sure going to pay for it if I, don't, if I get pulled over. We don't like some of the laws, maybe, but we follow them. We're, we adhere to them. We obey the laws of the land. We take care of what we have to take care of, and we respect the law because it's there, and there's no fudging on it. We don't respect the judge who lets people go scot-free. We vote them out at the very next election. They're not even back in office. Why? Because we look at them, and we say, that's not a judge. He's corrupt. What do we expect? We're expecting him to be a judge. We're expecting him to take care of the law and to provide for the penalties involved in breaking the law. But we look at God and we say, a God of love wouldn't do that. A God of love does do that. But this same God of love, Cindy, said, here's justice. Here's justice. But here's my love making a way at the cross at the cross where i first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith i received my sight and now i am happy all the day at the cross at the cross. The cross was where his holiness and his love, his mercy, his grace, his attributes of sovereignty, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, his love, his power, it all comes together at the cross. It's all there together. Holiness can stand next to love in God's kingdom with the cross. He went searching for the very best that he had, and the very best that he had was himself. And that's the message of the, the Trinity when you truly understand God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one. Together, there the price was paid. God loved us enough to send his only begotten Son Making the way, making the way for broken humanity to come back to him. Yes, there's a law. Yes, 
We're called, we're told to flee the wrath that is to come. There is wrath because he's God. And aren't you glad there is a God that you can run to, a God you can believe in, a God you can bring your concerns and your life to, and you can trust with your eternity. But he's a God of wrath just like he's a God of grace. And if he wasn't, then he wouldn't be God. He'd be a fake. Any idea other than that, and, and this is where I, 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 I tell our church people, I talk to people and individuals, I, I warn them, please be careful. Read a doctrine the other day for a church. It's booming. I mean, people are, are flocking to this church because of their, their programming, and, and it's beautiful, and it, it, it gives a really lot of good ideas, and, and I like some of those ideas, and I'd love to incorporate some of them, but the only problem I see is that the reason that they're packing out when you go to their doctrines, I'm grieved, and I look down past all the little, little welcome stuff and all the good stuff, and you get to the meat of it where they talk about, oh, man, don't worry about hell. They say, oh, the gnashing of teeth, that, that means you'll just be really stressed out and be remorseful, and you'll feel really bad. You think I'm kidding. I could show you the type. Oh, hell is just, it's not a place, it's, it's a symbolism of your separation from God. You'll be destined to live your life alone without God, and you'll be very remorseful. And so people are going, yeah, that's cool. Now that's God. Yeah, and God loves everybody. He wouldn't send anybody to any kind of bad place. No, man, God loves everybody. Really? Yeah, dude, yeah, that's love. That's God. Where do I sign up? And they're flocking in. And it makes for a really great church. Lots of money, lots of programming, more lights. It's beautiful. The only problem is... Any idea, any thought, any teaching about the God of the Bible that falls short of the revelation itself of who God genuinely is, is a false God. It's not real. It doesn't change lives. And I work with people. We got word this very weekend of someone through CR, Celebrate Recovery Program, who had come through and relapsed and didn't make it. Lives that need to be changed. I'm looking at people in this very congregation today who your lives have been transformed and changed by God's power. Your marriages have been put back together. God has intervened. Many that have had diseases and cancer and you've been healed and God has intervened in your life. Some who were involved in deep sin and yet here you are this morning singing the songs of Zion because you have been set free by the power of God. You understand what it is when they sing about chains falling and chains breaking because you have been there. And don't let anybody take away your praise. Don't let anybody take away your shout and your joy. Man, I'm telling you, it's better than anything you'll ever find in this life when your chains have fallen and you have found your life is set free by God's power. There's nothing better than that. Nothing grander than that. 
So don't let anybody take your praise away. Don't let them shame you into quieting up and settling down. Don't let them do that to you. If you're going to end up being a fanatic in life, let it be for Jesus Christ. Let it be for him. Let him be God. And understand that, yes, he's a God of wrath. Yes, he's a God of penalty. He's a God of punishment. Yes, for those who will not believe, will not accept Christ. He sent the best that he had. And he says, I have made a way. You don't have to do anything. You don't, it's not your works. It's not anything you can accomplish. You can't pay for it. You can't be good enough. You can't change yourself. I already know all this. Since you are a hopeless cause, let me do something. I'm going to reach over here at my right hand. I'm going to take my very son, and I'm going to put him down there, and he together, he and I are going to work a plan. And he is going to take on the wrath of all unrighteousness and all sin, and he is going to take it into the very pit of hell. He's going to raise up come up out of there a champion right back to the throne where he's going to take his rightful place. God says, I've done all of that for you. Now all you got to do is believe. All you got to do is believe. Oh, hallelujah. And he who believes is free. And if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. You're free. That's, that's the cross. That's the crossroads between grace and wrath. He's a God of law. He's a God of justice. He's a God that brings grace. And he's made a way. Would you stand with me this morning? Sing it, Gary. At the cross, at the cross. Where, Where I first saw the light And the burdens of my heart Rolled away It was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I don't know where you are with Christ. Perhaps you've been plagued by the questions that have kept you away from him. Perhaps you have felt over and over in your life you couldn't, you couldn't bridge between the God of love and the God of justice. But today, you got the answer to that question. Why did he have to die? He had to die because God is a boundless, immeasurable, infinite, God of holiness, but God also is the God of grace and love, and he made a way in mercy for you. Now the two come together, and as they come together, you can trust that God. You can trust that God. You can give your heart and your life to him. You can trust him with the problems and the concerns that you've prayed over, you've sought answers for, you've tried to find answers all throughout the world. You've looked for doctors, you've looked to counselors, you've tried to get help, you've searched the internet, you've done everything you can. Here today, I'm telling you, your answer is right here. 
in why Jesus had to die. He made a way for you. If you're here today and you need Jesus, you have yet to accept him into your heart, but you need him as your savior, don't leave here without accepting him. Don't leave here today without believing him to be your Lord. Please don't do that. If you're here and you need Jesus Christ in your heart, would you just slip up your hand right where you are and right back down? We're going to pray a prayer. Are you here? I know you are. Is there anyone at all that would say, Pastor, I want to pray. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? I want to pray today. I want, to, I want God in my life. God bless you. God bless you, sir. At the cross. At the cross. Where I first God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. And the burdens of my heart rolled away. Is there anyone else this morning? It was there by faith. In real life. I received my sin. Anyone else at all? God bless you. God bless you. Amen. For these that have lifted their hand today. I'm going to ask you, if you will, all over the building. We got time. It's 20 after. I did real good, I think. Would you step out from where you are? Meet me in the altar as quickly as you can. Everyone in the house that's able to. Those that lifted their hand, please come. Come with the crowd. Come down to the altar. I just want to bring you to the altar this morning. It was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day At the cross at the Come on in real close here First saw the light And the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there. I received my sight, and now I am happy. Father, I pray right now, as many have come forward. Many hands went up in this sanctuary this morning. Lord, we need you. God, we can't do this without you. You've made the way. It was your gospel. It is your word. You revealed yourself in the word. And God, it is not our place to only to question you, but to, have, to seek the answers to the questions. And Lord, we know today the reason that Jesus died was to bridge that gap between your grace and the wrath of God that makes you holy and makes you just. Lord, you have to be God. And we understand that and we know that. Lord, you are the answer for every pain, for every sin, for every rebellion in our lives. And I pray for every brother, every sister that's lifted their hand. I pray, God, for the church today that we'll wake up, that we'll realize the value that comes through the cross of Calvary. That, God, the price that you genuinely paid May we see it more than just a symbol around our neck. May we see it more than just being part of a religion. But God, may it be our life. And may it be valuable and priceless to us as we trust you with every care we have in this world. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. If you're here today, you lifted your hand, you want to believe and accept Christ into your life, 
I'm going to ask you, along with everyone, to pray a simple prayer. But understand this. The sinner's prayer will not save you. Say amen. Amen. The sinner's prayer will not save you. It is not a magic formula. It is not words that will just automatically put you in heaven. But these words are just a guide for you. A guide for you to speak what's in your own heart. The question remains to you today. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he's the answer for your sins? Do you believe he died on the cross and he rose again? Do you believe that he's coming again for you, for the church? If you believe that, then the words become your heart. And then it becomes a confession. And with that, the Bible says you're saved. I can't make that decision. I'm not going to tell you that you're saved. Your heart Your words, your belief comes to the cross. And when those two bridge together, telling you the mercy of God is found. Amen? Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. I declare you are the Lord. You're the Son of God. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation. I am thankful today that you made a way for me to come to God. I believe it in my heart. I confess it in this church. So your word declares I'm saved. In Jesus' name, be the Lord of my life. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Praise God. And now, turn around right now in a closing prayer. I want us to pray for one another. You don't know what your brother's going through. You don't know what someone's going through right here standing in this place. How many of you would say, I have a very critical and serious need in my life? Would you just make that known? Amen. We have a death in the family for the hardesties. Happened yesterday. I want us to pray for them. Or was it yesterday? Friday morning. I'm going to pray for them. But others around you, lift them again. I've got a serious critical need in my family and my life. Amen. Would you just reach up and lay your hand on someone standing right beside you, very politely, very nicely? Would you do that right now as we agree together and pray for one another? Father, as a congregation, we come praying for our brothers and our sisters. We ask you to be with them, touch them by your Holy Spirit and provide for them. Your word is made a way, Lord, not only for salvation, but you said every need that we're to cast all of our cares upon you. We know, God, you love us. You care about every day. You order our steps, those of a, of a righteous heart. And we thank you for that. We give ourselves to you wholly and completely and ask you to minister to the every need that's represented, every family that's represented, every heart that needs a touch. We ask you, God, to heal diseases and to touch lives, provide and make a way, bring deliverance, and let your comfort be here for those who need your comfort. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, giving you the honor, the glory, and all of the praise, for it's in your name that we pray. We thank you. And everyone together said amen. Amen. God bless you today. Thank you for being in church.